yeah. <laughs> Ready for a little Wednesday Q&A here for you. Oh, man. What a week it's been. I think, boy, have I been releasing an episode like every day for the past, I don't know, past few days? <laughs> it seems like, seems like I've been getting a lot of content out there. Uh, but I haven't heard any complaints. So, hey, great. <laughs> if, if I can add on to it, wonderful. Um, boy, yesterday, that talk about a lot of fun I had. Um, Stephanie and I, the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy, we, um, we were, we actually were on School Sucks, uh, and we did a little bit of a special Star Wars episode. Boy, if you didn't listen to that, it's only about an hour long, but I thought it was such a great discussion. So many very interesting things brought up, not just about Star Wars, but really about cinematography uh, overall. And I mean, just lots of stuff like that. It, it was so much fun. If you hadn't listened to that episode, that's one I definitely recommend you get in on. Because like I said, I know I've been putting out a lot of content uh, as late, but I want to make sure. I mean, we've got some new patrons this week and I want to make sure that they are seeing, hey, when you start doing that, at least a dollar a month and some people do more, that when you when you put that out there, you're getting your hands on a lot of content. And I hope you consider it quality content. And so far, I think it's true. In fact, a lot of people, they've been really loving the top eights. I've uh, been very excited about that. Uh, I'm glad you have. Uh, recently, we started our, our comic book top eights, <laughs> which that's that's one that could go on probably forever. Uh, I mean, hell, I could do a comic book podcast, you know, a podcast about comic books overall if I really wanted. But um, I have other uh, other podcast ideas in mind. Uh, some of them are for Sovereign Tech patrons. Some of them are entirely new podcasts that certainly will take nothing away from my baby and my baby being... Sovereign Tech, and of course, all the Sovereign Tech listeners, I love you. Uh, so anyway, um, why don't we get into, well, we've got some great, anyway, yeah, do listen to that Star Wars episode. Uh, whew, got some great questions to get into. I'll try to get to all of them. Some of them kind of have stories attached, and, and I, so I want to be able to, to touch on those. Uh, man, so <laughs> I noticed the damnedest thing, and this is so funny. So, all right, you're going to get a little bit of an inside track here uh, from the Golden Stallion. And that is, is that, you know, I do have, much to my chagrin, I do have a Facebook account. And I don't want one. Um, I would just as well delete it. Uh, there are varying reasons why I do have one. Uh, and not I, I don't want to say have to have one, but why, you know, out of my... Out of certain considerations, I have one, okay? Uh, I'll just put it that way. Now, here's the funny thing, okay, with having it with, with the Facebook account, is that I was like, okay, you know, but how can I really, like, really decrease, like, you know, using a lot of Facebook's kind of extraneous apps and, you know, all these different things? And it's so funny. Just a couple days ago, I was like, you know what? And, and this, is, this is true. Like, I, I, what, part of what I'm about to say is absolutely true, but then a, a funny thing kind of happened today. Um, as I'm recording this. So I was like, okay, you know, groups are really where it's at. And it is so true. Trust me, if you're wondering, and, and this was, you know, for a couple of years, you know, one of the things that I was really saying is like, why are people so obsessed with using Facebook? What the fuck's the deal? Part of the reason that I said that was, or the main reason I said it was, is because, you know, people want to fuck their neighbor. Or whoever, or their their high school crush, maybe, or or something like that. Like they they want to go back and they want to stoop, you know, such and such person, right? 
Like that's that's why you know that that's the real appeal here is that they get to you know act like a rock star on Facebook when in real life they might not be so much. Which whatever you know you you can be what you want um, and do what you want, of course. But you know when you're on Facebook, yeah. So anyway, so you you get to show your the best part of your life, and maybe that could somehow attract somebody into your life. That's the you know like that's what I've always felt was the appeal to Facebook. Now I still think that's true, but as far as like. Why do people have Facebook? Especially when one of the things that I kind of noticed on Facebook is that a lot of people that have Facebook don't really post anything and they don't even really interact. Like you never see them interacting on timelines or anything. So what are they doing? Are they just using Messenger? Which that's certainly a viable thing because, I mean, Messenger is very much, I mean, in some ways has replaced the phone number. I, I mean, it really has. Like, like it's so ubiquitous. I mean, it's everywhere. You know, and, and this is one of the small advantages I get to actually having a Facebook account is that as a tech journalist, which I am, um, I get to, you know, I, I get to like report on what exactly is going down, you know, and like what, what are the changes and I get to see what that looks like for Facebook and I get to come to realizations similar to the ones, um, you know, that, that, I, that I, I came to recently. And that is, is that really... Where fa- what's really happening with Facebook isn't happening on the timeline. I doubt it's even really happening in Messenger, though maybe it's happening to some degree in Messenger. Where it's really happening is in Facebook groups. Groups is where all the action is, okay? And there's secret groups, you know, the, those hidden groups and everything you don't know that are there where all kinds of wild shit's going down. And I mean wild shit, okay? Or... People are, you know, and I've talked about this before in previous Q&As, as well as on Sovereign Tech proper, um, you know, or Sovereign Tech Prime, Prime episodes, in that, you know, a lot of people, especially like in the anarchist and liberty movement, and so I'm sure it's happening all over the place elsewhere, you know, you have a lot of these little groups that are you know, working, they're, they're kind of scheming in their little hidden groups, their little secret groups, not that I have a problem, you know, not that there's anything unethical about them doing that, you know, but... They're busy making each other seem like a bigger deal that they are than they are, and they're giving each other all these big likes and you know whatever else they're doing, like like giving each other I don't know, uh, just cross promoting or cross working with each other and everything, and making them seem like they're some kind of a big a big deal in the liberty movement when really they're just idiots, um, you know that that happen to be slightly clever. Uh, or you know are are willing to take advantage of of you know some of these again not unethical but I I just I think that they're kind of kind of shady tactics. So anyway, not that that's anything new. Um, so yeah, groups is where all this stuff is happening. You know, and some of the I mean I you know some of these groups I wholeheartedly support. I like I you know I'm aware of some where I'm just like do that. Hell yes, you know, like this, this is great. I mean, you know, in some places, I mean, people are getting freaky. <laughs> and, I mean, and, and, and right on. And, and it's funny, too, you know, the, the reason that I didn't necessarily come to these realizations is because I never get invited to these groups. You know, <laughs> I, I, fi- I find out about them more or less secondhand. You know, nobody invites me to any of these, you know, fun clubs, even the open ones. I never get invited to these things. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I call bullshit on everything. But for whatever reason, I don't get invited to these groups. Anyway, so I have this. I had an idea in the past couple weeks. And that idea was, is that, you know, admittedly, there's a few people I would like to converse with, you know, on Facebook and, and 
there isn't really like that great service somewhere where I can just kind of get everybody together and, you know, it's really cross-platform, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I could do IRC chat rooms, but some of the people I'd want to converse with, perhaps th- that, that'd be a little above board for them. Or, you know, not above board. That'd be a little... Um, little above what they'd want to, you know, invest in and, uh, you know, to get something done, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to make, I'll make a little, you know, a little closed group or something where I can talk about, you know, the things that are actually a really big deal to me. You know, I can talk about science fiction. I can talk about heavy metal. I could talk about, you know, all the nerdity. I could talk about, you know, comic books, Star Wars, Star Trek, Babylon 5, Stargate SG-1, Farscape, uh, Blade Runner, whatever the fuck I want to talk about, I could talk about. Which, by the way, woo, that Blade Runner trailer, I'm on. I'm, I'm, I'm up for this. As much as I hate Ryan Gosling, I am up for this. And so I made one, you know, just to see, okay, what's this all about? And, and you know, kind of my, my, my thinking was, it's like, all right, so... If I just use groups, what I could do is, you know, and I don't really mess with Facebook proper or the Facebook, you know, the newsfeed or anything. If I could just go to groups, like I could, I could install the Facebook groups app on my test device. Then I could uninstall the Facebook app because then, you know, because the Facebook app on Android devices like drains the battery. I mean, it's terrible. And it's been a known problem for years that the Facebook app just, just, slashes batteries on Android uh, devices. And so, you know, I was like, all right, well, I can put groups on, then I'll be good, and I, I won't actually need the Facebook app. And if I need to, I can just, you know, log into the, the mobile site of Facebook on, um, you know, on, on Firefox, on Android. And so I do that, and it was actually working really well. I was like, wow, this, yeah, okay, this is good. I don't have to use the Facebook app and I don't have to deal with the fucking noise, uh, you know, on Facebook and all that. This is, I, I like this. I could get behind this. But then what happens is, is Facebook releases some new goddamn feature where, and, and I, I swear to Satan, it looks like, it looks like fucking kindergarten. What it allows you to do, and it's, this only works with the app, at least at this time. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll come out on the web. And, and this is sort of how Facebook, you know, this is their insidious MO. I mean, where the, at first, you know, they, they, they in, introduce new features on the app, kind of like, you know, the different uh, like faces that you can choose from, right? Where there's, you know, angry, surprised, sad, blah, blah. Or, you know, the, the different emotions, not emojis necessarily, but emotions. You know, first they implemented that onto, you know, onto the, onto the mobile app in that way, because they probably know, and they've, they've got to be having this problem, you know, that people don't, especially on Android, don't want to install the Facebook app because it is such a goddamn problem. And to say nothing on the amount of space it takes, I mean, you know, it builds up to a few gig easily. And if you're using a 16 gig phone, Facebook can kill your, you know, your storage in a heartbeat. Um, and, and the other reason I say that I, that I think I know that they, you know, that they don't uh, or, you know, that they have a problem with people not having the, you know, the Facebook app on their phone is because how hard were they pushing to get people to install Messenger? That's the other one where they were having an issue because everybody was just using as soon as they removed the messenger, you know, the, pri- the private messenger from the from the app, from the main Facebook app on Android. People instantly ran to the mobile site to where they wouldn't have to install Messenger because why? Well, obvious. You install Messenger, look at the goddamn permissions that thing asks for. It literally asks for the permission to make a phone call for you. It's bad. 
But of course, everybody wants to install it on their phone, whatever. I mean, that's fine if you do. Just understand, fuck your privacy, you know, if you want to do that, right? So anyway, um, Facebook has that problem where people are not installing their app. So I think that this is kind of an insidious trick on their part that they always release these new features. And to get everybody on board first, you know, fat, you know hot and heavy, they, they put it into the app. Because I'll tell you, to test out this new feature that I'm about to describe, like I said, it looked like kindergarten, um, you know, I installed the, the app again to test it. And what this does is, is that now recently Facebook has, and, and they just recently made this available on the website, uh, on the, you know, on the website, on the big website, as to where before this was also a feature that was just on the app, that if you type under, I'm not sure what the character count is, but it's kind of like Twitter. If you type under a hundred, I don't know, maybe a hundred characters, then Facebook will make the font significantly larger. Okay. And this became very popular very quickly. In fact, there was a very noticeable change statistically that people were writing less just so that they could have to get that bigger font, you know, that pop, um, uh, you know, when they post something on Facebook. Okay. So now what they have is that when you're typing something out, and I don't know exactly yet because I'm just testing this out now. I don't know what the limits are to how much you can write out and lose this color bar, but it'll like these, when you start typing a little like color bar, a color menu will show up at the bottom and you can choose from like nine or 10, you know, preset colors that can be the background for what you're typing out, you know, for your post. And and then the post will be in white text, you know, instead of the white on, you know, black text on white background, it'll be white text on a, whatever color you choose background. And it kind of, you know, it looks like sort of those inspirational posters, but I mean, the color is like the way that they're doing it, you know, it's kind of a phased color. I mean, it looks like somebody took Crayola crayons to some degree and it, it just like, I felt, you know, I'm looking at Facebook. It's like, what is this? You know, is this first grade? You know, how, how bad are people's attention spans? If this is what you have to do to get fucking, you know, eyeballs on what you're fucking saying. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> Drove me nuts. I mean, I did like three of them. I tested it out. I mean, and, and it definitely catches eyes, obviously, especially right now because it's new. Eventually, it's going to get old. Um, but it's fascinating that, I mean, Facebook, you know, the, we I, re- I reported earlier in the year, earlier in 2016, um, which, by the way, is this going to be the last Q&A of 2016? Well, not that we've been doing them that long, but, huh. Oh, anyway, I reported earlier in this year, in 2016, that... Uh, you, you know, that Facebook had said there was kind of a leaked document saying that they were having a problem with what was called content collapse to where people weren't posting anything, uh, you know, weren't posting things other than like news stories or memes or something on, you know, on, on their timeline or on, on their newsfeed, right, in the newsfeed. And so they, they had a real issue with this. So it's interesting that suddenly you have two moves, two motions or, you know, two new features like the, the expanded or, you know, the, the enlarged font feature. For Facebook. And then you also now you have this new colored background, you know, for any goddamn thing you post um, that clearly is to try and get people to start, you know, to, to solve this problem of content collapse where people weren't posting anymore. This was supposed to get people, you know, maybe back into posting and maybe get people out of the groups, even though I can't see why this wouldn't work in groups. Uh, just very, very. Well, so here's the thing, and and this could actually lead into I had I in fact I did get a question from a great listener, asking me to talk about you know do I think that Facebook um, could you know could get taken over could get overrun, let's say, 
uh, by, you know, just like Facebook kind of took over MySpace, right? Like MySpace was the big shit. And, you know, you never could have imagined anything bigger than MySpace. Then Facebook came around and woo, took it over. And the question was, and I, I, I don't want to spend time on it now. It, it'd actually be a great time to do it. But, you know, I want to I want to come to. I want to come to the stage about that with, with a lot more information, you know, uh, but the question is, is that can something overtake Facebook? Well, I, I think that introducing some of these new features, you know, on Facebook's part is them kind of, kind of quietly admitting that they have a problem. Um, in fact, a lot of people, you know, I mean, and Twitter's certainly not the one that's going to beat them. I mean, they're just, they're not. Twitter has so many business problems. Uh, you know, I don't see it happening. And most, and kind of the average person really doesn't give a shit about Twitter. Okay, like the, they, they can't handle it. Their, their brains just can't do it. Um, as hard as Twitter tries to make it a little more palatable, you know, uh, <laughs> shall we say to the normies. You know, by having algorithmic feeds and all this different shit, which is the reason people use Twitter is because they don't want that. So, uh, I mean, I mean, this is, you know, this is a huge subject, okay? Because it's funny that Twitter doesn't take over. And, I, and I'm going to get, I will talk a little bit about, you know, can something overtake uh, uh, Facebook? But I just want to address this. Is if you want to, if you want to know how fucking sick the economy is, how fucking sick Silicon Valley is, and, and how, how skewed their business perceptions are. You know, Twitter has how many hundreds of millions of users, but it's considered a failure because it only has a few hundred million users? Like that, that, that just shows how fucked up expectations and business models are today. Are you kidding me? Why? Because Facebook has over a billion, that's a success, and anything that only has that has anything less is a failure? That's crazy. I mean, this is what what Twitter needs to do. Twitter just needs to monetize. Okay, figure out how to monetize its very loyal few hundred million user base, and then it's fine. There's no reason that Twitter should be seen as a failure. They have a lot of business problems, but that's because the business has to somehow justify its fucking existence when it only has, what, 600, 700 million, however many hundred million users? Holy fuck, that's insane. Do you see how screwed up that is? Like, that should be seen as a wild success, and people should be working on, okay, how do we, you know, how can we perhaps monetize this, you know, this, this user base and, you know, how can we, how can we appease this user base? How can we, you know, maybe get some more engagement, whatever. Okay. But that's not what they're thinking. All they're thinking is fucking growth, 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 growth. We got to get over a billion. We got to be bigger than Facebook. Otherwise all of our investors are going to fucking walk away. Man. Drives me nuts. I mean, anything else, anything else. And look, I, I just, I can't believe it takes that much to power what Facebook does, okay? It's not like they need, I mean, well, now, you know, they're adding in video, they're adading in all these other features, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so yeah, once you add in, in video, suddenly, all right, yeah, we need some serious server work. But I mean, for the large part, what Twitter mainly is and what most people use Twitter for, you don't need a whole lot of horsepower in comparison to other companies, okay, to, you know, to run a service like that. 
So it's not even, you know, I just, I can't imagine it's even that expensive to run. But what the fuck? Like, yeah, I, I get it. There's, there's genuine problems with Twitter. There's problems of abuse. There's, uh, I wouldn't, I've talked about those things. I've said they were problems and I've talked about it for years, well ahead of time of when the rest of, you know, the fucking press got on board with it, okay? You know, I know that there's problems, but really, this thing shouldn't be a failure. This shouldn't be seen as a failure. It's not a failure. Same thing, like, I mean, honestly, it was true for Google+. Google+, Plus had, what, 500 million users at one point? Even if I'm off by my numbers, if you have over a million users, that should be seen as amazing. That should be seen as, oh, well, let's cater. That's a million people that you can make a buck a piece off of, you know, uh, I don't know, a month, a day? There should be plenty of money to keep a service alive. I, I, I just, I... This is how fucked up things are. This is how crazy things are in this economy. And what makes it worse is that a lot of people who, you know, like to say, oh yeah, I'm an ANCAP, I'm a capitalist, I'm free market, baby. You know, they are seeing these, you know, they are, those same people will say, oh no, Twitter's a failure. Or they're the same people that would say, oh yeah, no, 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 whoa, we, we, we got to have 6 billion people, you know, using our service or it's all bullshit. Man, you don't know shit about markets. You don't know shit about real business. You don't know shit about business that lasts. And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, please get rid of government and hand the markets over to these dipshits. Well, fortunately, the market will speak and they'll, they'll fail, but then they'll probably cry and, you know, who knows what the fuck they'll do. Oh, man. Anyway, so point being, could something overtake Facebook? Could something get 2 billion, 3 billion, 4 billion users, whatever, you know, to, to make it really, you know, to see that engagement? Because let's be clear here, like the, 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 the concept of besting Facebook at its own game does not come down to the amount of money it makes. Just doesn't. I mean, you could say, yeah, Facebook's the only true unicorn, blah, blah, blah. You know, people have made whatever, 12,000 fold on whatever their investments, you know, the angels and all that shit, right? Okay, I, you know, I, under, I understand that. All right, but really, you know, the, the besting of Facebook comes down to having more users. Is that possible? Yes. Yes, I think that's absolutely possible. Um, the problem is, is that even if a service did that, I think people, you know, the tech industry, which is largely bought out by most of the tech companies or the tech industry, I shouldn't say the tech industry, the tech reporters, okay, um, you know, the tech journalists are mostly bought out by the tech industry itself, by the tech companies themselves, that they would rip to shreds anything that would, that would come up. I mean, and if you don't believe me, look, you know, uh, something that would really help, okay, would say, like, say Wired, maybe, could run a story on, you know, on, on some, like, really interesting, maybe privacy-focused, privacy-centric, uh, you know, anonymity-centric centric or something like that, uh, you, you know, social media uh, site, right? You know, maybe Wired could run a story on that, because Wired is about, you know, talking about what's hot, what's happening, and, uh, you know, they, they, they've, they've published some good stories here and there, as, as far as the crypto economy goes, but are they going to do that? No. Why? Just look at the fucking story that or Wired or Fast Company, any one of them, just look at them. Like, I mean, who did that story of, of Zuckerberg where the picture of Zuckerberg, he looked like fucking Constantine the Great. Like they were trying to immortalize his fucking visage on his fucking webpage. Maybe that was Fast Company. 
Regardless, the only reason Zuck should get a picture like that is if he's paying these people fucking off. That is insulting to have somebody, you know, like, like do that. And fuck, if I was a Christian, if I was a Catholic or Orthodox or something, like, I'd be livid. What are you doing comparing this guy to Constantine the Great? Even though I know in Catholicism he's not seen that, that highly Orthodox, you know, Eastern Orthodox he is. Uh, I, I get all that, okay? I'm the Golden Stallion. I know. Believe me. I wish I didn't know so much about religion. <sighs> um, anyway. So, yeah, I, I think, yes, it's entirely possible that a company could get more users than Facebook has. Could, over, you know, could overtake Facebook. And honestly, Facebook is in some real trouble. And, of course, that's why they diversify. That's why they have Instagram, which is also getting a shit ton of features added into it. Um, and I would argue Instagram is, in many ways, you know, the superior uh, social media platform out of them all. Okay, so in the future, yeah, honestly, Instagram, you know, could effectively become the largest, uh, you know, social media platform in the world. That's the one that could overtake Facebook, right? Um, I mean, something else could come out, you know, that that's a little more, you know, uh, entrenched, perhaps, in the crypto economy, you know, with anonymity and privacy and all that. I could see that happening in the future, and I hope it does. Uh, you know, but there, there is a huge, huge uphill battle. Make no mistake. There's a huge uphill battle in the fact that any company that is trying to unseat Facebook or really any of the tech giants is going to have to take on tech journalism. They're going to have to take on TechCrunch. They're going to have to take on Wired. They're going to have to take on Fast Company because they, I guarantee you, are all in cahoots. They are bed buddies with Zuck, Page, Cook, all of them. Because they, I mean, it, it, you know, it's remoras to sharks. They, they, they feed off of each other. You know, they feed and clean. So, anyway, yeah, it, uh, it could happen, but, whew, yeah. So, I mean, I guess what, what brought that whole subject up, <laughs> and I have all questions to get into, what brought that whole subject up was... Uh, was that, you know, all these new features is kind of a, a sign of decay. Uh, for at least in Facebook's case, I think it's a sign of decay. Uh, not with all of them. I mean, if it's something that never really had a lot of features in the first place, then yeah, they get new features, you know, and they, they try to, or, or they're trying to, you can see where they're trying to take on a competitor. Uh, Snapchat. Now, oh, there, okay, so I, I, should, I should have mentioned that. There's the one, this is kind of the new darling, is Snapchat. Snapchat may be the social media platform that could actually wipe them all out. I will never get a Snapchat account. I'm going to make sure of that fucking shit right now. I've promised it before, and I'm going to stick to it. There's no way that Sovereign Tech's success relies upon Snapchat. Just no way. So I don't care. <laughs> I mean, not that that's the only reason I use social media, but like why add on another fucking account? So yeah, Snapchat, Instagram, of course, Instagram is taking on Snapchat. And so it's copying its features. That's really the whole story there when that gets new features. But as far as Facebook getting new features, which it's getting a lot now, but it's already such a convoluted mess. You really, you, you need to start taking away shit. 
you know, you really need to start simplifying stuff, which I mean, they have to some degree, they got rid of the email addresses, right? They got rid of some of the other things. I mean, Facebook knows it has too much built into it, I guess. But yeah, all of that is, in my opinion, a sign of decay for Facebook. So keep your eye out. Snapchat's probably going to be the next one. Instagram is certainly, you know, I think in this game to last. So, so there, there you go. There's, there's a bit of an assessment. Um, that kind of gets into the question the person asked, but I, I'm going to go into more depth with it during tech history. Uh, and I want to kind of keep an eye on, on some things and, and talk about it. I think it'll be a great subject to bring up to see what happens with Twitter, who ends up buying that out. It'll be a great side story to get into that. Um, so, but I think I, I might've kind of asked, answered that question, uh, for the person anyway. So let me know your thoughts. Of course, if any, anytime, any of you, any of the patrons, you, you guys, if you have guys and gals, if you have, and I love that, my audience, not just on Patreon, but as far as I can tell, by what metrics I am able to collect, I have a, I have a near 50-50 audience as far as men and women and, well, there's Z's and, not, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but, you know, that's not under my control to, you know, to, to gauge that kind of metric. So, um, anyway, great to have that 50-50. Thank you. Uh, but yes, please message me, you know, use the private messenger on Patreon, get me on Twitter, you know, hit the email, whatever, and let me know what you think. And, and believe me, I'll, I'll talk about it. I will, I'll, I'll cover the responses. I have plans. I actually have uh, quite a few responses to things that I plan on getting to in, in future Q and A's. Uh, anyway, all right, let's, uh, let's get into another, let's get into a bit of a tech question here. Uh, this is a good one. So, and this has to do with uh, uh, self-driving cars. The person was interested in my thoughts on this uh, and brought it to my attention. So, I mean, it's definitely something that could be brought up in a, in a Sovereign Tech Prime show. Uh, but I'll, I'll, bring it up here. I'll bring it up here. This is interesting. And this is a link from safecar.gov. I didn't even know there was a website. <laughs> but, okay, safecar.gov. Um, and it's the, uh, let's see here. Well, it, it, this obviously goes through various DOTs. Yeah, U.S. Department of Transportation, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. And they have an entire page about V2V. You know, like B2B, business to business, where, you know, it's the letter B, number two, and then B. This is V2V, okay, Victor to Victor. Um, So vehicle to vehicle communications. NHTSA, that's funny, is committed to improving safety and mobility on our nation's roadways. As we look uh, look ahead to the next stage of roadway safety in America, vehicle to vehicle, or V2V, Um, communication technology shows great promise in transforming the way Americans travel. Using V2V technology, vehicles ranging from cars to trucks and buses to trains could one day be able to communicate important safety and mobility information to one another that can help save lives, prevent injuries, ease traffic congestion, and improve the environment. Now, what is the importance of this? Why, why bring this up? And of course, uh, actually, one of the latest bits here is from December 13th, 2016. I, I can put this uh, link in the show notes, but if you're a Sovereign Tech patron, if you actually click the community tab um, at Patreon, which is you just type in SovereignTech.com, that takes you right to the Patreon, of course, you know that you're, you're a patron already. Um, if you go to the community page, you can see where this story was shared with me. It's a great way to, to share stories with me. And, you know, I'll tell you, for the future, let me know if you want me to talk about it in the Sovereign Tech Prime show, in a main show, or if you want me to talk about it as a Q&A, just, just so I know where, where you're looking to kind of hear it. Um, but I'm going to talk about this one here, and definitely we'll be keeping an eye on V2V technology. Um, but, and, yeah, so this is very recent. And kind of the gist, and, and the person that shared it with me, you know, made the mention, is that, Eventually, this car-to-car communication, this V2V technology could be legislated, you know, could be required uh, 
uh, is part of every single car. Now, I, I looked through some of the PDFs and everything that's, that's listed here, and they're kind of describing how all this can work. And really, I'll, I'll tell you, it looked just like the way that, that again, the honest engineers that are working on self-driving cars, it's the same thing. To where, for this to work, for this V2V to work, you're going, you know, it's going to have to be in every fucking car. That instantly becomes problematic to me. Like, I, like I, I, I think that's crazy. Um, because, you know, so, so let, let's just, you know, this is right on the page, safecar.gov. Okay, it says right here, let me, let me read the sentence to you again, because again, there's, a not, there's, there's some pretty big on this webpage. Yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of a blank space in between the lines here, quite a bit of white in between the lines. So what's, what's in that white? Let the golden stallion look, look here for you. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Okay. So v- using V to V technology, vehicles ranging from cars to trucks and buses to trains could one day be able to communicate important safety and mobility information to one another that can help. Here we go. This, here's where it's important. That can help save lives, prevent injuries, ease traffic congestion, and improve the environment. Okay. Now that communication, how exactly are, is it going to save lives and prevent injuries? Is it going to automatically stop your car? Perhaps. Is that what I see in between the lines? I think so. Yeah. Ease traffic congestion? Hmm. Is that going to uh, perhaps control what lane you're in? Like, what exactly does this mean? What is this going to entail? How does it do this? Is it just going to give you some kind of warning that you completely ignore? Kind of like, you know, the, the annoying dinging of, uh, say, if you don't put, wear your seatbelt in modern cars, that, that annoys the fuck out of me. Because in New Hampshire, you don't have to wear your, your seatbelt. Hmm. So, yeah, this is another case where, look, a lot of these new car technologies that everybody's talking about, the way for them to work is that every single car has to have them. And again, what are the implications of that? What is the implications of V2V technology? Okay, cars are going to start talking to each other and what are they going, you know, what, what, what's going to be the deal? Or here's the beauty. Here, you know, here, here's, I think this is kind of an obvious one, a little bit dystopian, I grant you, but here's an obvious one. And that is, is that, well, let's say there's a, uh, you know, a, a high-speed chase and the police are going after the car. And what's going to, you know, what, how are we going to find, you know, where did this guy turn off to? But, you know, the V to V, you know, communication, well, we've got his registration, got his license plate number, or, you know, you won't even need the license plates anymore. All of it will be V to V, you know, and you'll find instantly because, because the cops will be able to send a signal, right? Just kind of like how IOT works. It'll be, you know, its own little mesh network, or, you know, maybe it'll work on to some degree, some, some sort of, you know, satellite OTA, um, where, where it will communicate with all the cars in an entire city and they'll know fucking exactly where you turned off, no matter how you tried to get away. Ooh, this is going to be, what, what's going to happen? You're going to have new stealth technologies that, uh, you know, that turn off all V2V communications? Hmm. Yeah, because this is a dystopian technology. Because you don't have the choice of not having it. And when you have governments, this is a technology that can be used against you. So no, it's not okay. But everybody loves their goddamn new cars. They love their computers and their cars. Not the Golden Stallion. I don't. Everybody wants their self-driving cars. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is like, you'd think this would be a base requirement for self-driving cars. Like, it just makes sense for, you know, for them, for them to use this and for, you know, so that it can actually work. I mean, like, what happened? What was it, the, the Uber or the... 
Yeah, I think it was like it was a Tesla car uh, that was an that I think was driving as an Uber. And of all ironies, I was going to talk about this. Um, I was going to talk about this on Sovereign Tech this this upcoming Saturday. <laughs> of all ironies, a guy in a taxi video cameras a fucking Tesla, you know, on with you know on autopilot. I think it went right through a red light. Oh boy, who's going to get the fine for that? The driver? Fuck no. Uh, you know, not that I want people going to court or anything. I'm an anarchist, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Tesla should be footing the bill for this ticket. Maybe there should be some kind of class action. Hmm. So yeah, I get it. This is, this is a requirement, you know, for that sort of thing to work. So fine. Okay. Let's say I could even see, yeah, this would be great that, um, you, you know, all right, we, we need this. And if you like self-driving cars in cities, yeah, I understand. I get why people like it. You know, a lot of people don't like to have a, you know, even having a driver's license and they don't want to drive at all. They just want to get taken somewhere. Yeah, I, I get all that. There's a lot of beautiful convenience to all this. I think it's wonderful. Okay, uh, you know, like if you want it, you can have it. Here's the one problem is that your desire for that completely infringes upon my ability to drive my 73 Ford LTD. I don't have it anymore, but if I did, okay, you infringe upon my ability to drive that. I think that that fucking sucks. No, I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to say that what you're doing is necessarily unethical. Say it was in a, you know, libertarian paradise, it was a world without governments. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that that sucks, but I'm, fuck you, I'm not going to your city. You want the Golden Stallion to show up? <laughs> Suck it. Consumers can complain. This is the thing, you know, that, that, and, and, you know, I don't, how to put this? This is a problem, not a problem. This is a thing that comes up with sovereign tech is that, you know, we, we talk about ethics so much is that, you know, there's things that are unethical and in some ways this certainly is. Okay. Uh, but then at the same time, there are things where look, it's just fucking anti-consumer and that sucks, you know, and, and, and it's okay to, to, you know, it's okay to fucking complain about it. And say, no, I don't like the fact that, that you just obsoleted my, you, you know, you, you just obsoleted my T-Bird from whatever, from 61. Or that, you know, my 68 Eldorado, suddenly I, I can't use it anymore. Or I have to put some bullshit on it that I don't want to put on it. I want to keep that thing original and mint, baby. But I want to drive it down the street. I want to, ta- you know, I want to go to the movies. I want to go to Radio City. I want to take a, you know, a good looking gal to Radio City in, you know, in my Eldorado. Is that okay with you? Oh, it's not? Hmm. This is kind of, I mean, you know, and, and for example, okay, you know, like a past example, take airbags, for instance. All right. Now, if you remember that in, in the nineties, okay, when cars really started, I mean, cars really started to change in the eighties. That's when they started or late seventies, maybe when they started getting computers in them or something, which originally computers and cars were really just controlling, uh, you know, ignition. They were like, you know, kind of controlling spark plugs in many ways, you know, the way that it fired. Um, and then, you know, down the line, they end up doing a whole lot more, blah, 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 blah. But in the 90s is when things really started changing. You started getting a lot of the curves and, you know, and that's when cars started to all end up looking the same. Um, but in, in the late 90s, now, there was legislation passed in the early 90s that said by 1998, and you might remember uh, this used to be a selling point for a lot of cars, uh, you know, in various commercials for Dodge or whoever, where they would say that, yep, we'll, we'll, there's airbags everywhere. That way we're, we're compliant with, you know, the upcoming law in 1998, you know, the upcoming, uh, you know, regulation that, that cars have to have airbags in 98. It was a way to convince you to try and go buy, you know, or, you know, it was a way of, of uh, 
Yeah, it was, it was trying to convince you to go buy their car, okay, because you're going to be up to snuff with regulations. Now, th- there was just no way that everybody in the world was going to end up having, you know, airbags by 1998. So that legislation, you know, had a bit of a rocky road. I mean, now, yes, cars, you know, do do more or less forcibly get made to have airbags, Um but, uh, you know, it's not like an, an overall requirement where every car on the road has to have airbags. Bottom line being is that, okay, yeah, you want a new safety feature? Great. However, you know, a safety feature like airbags doesn't require every car on the road to change. As to where these do. I don't agree with regulation anyway, you know, any, any way you cut it. But I'm just saying that, like, there, there are new features that you can add. There are new safety features, you know, that are very interesting, uh, you know, to put on. But they don't require you to change every goddamn car. And that's where I run into a real issue. I mean, just as a consumer first. And then, you know, I, you know under, under living under, you know, living within a status matrix, you know, living under governments, then I have a whole bunch of ethical issues to bring up. So yeah, this this could become you know a mandate, and I, I I think it's I think it's it's utter crap. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, there there there's my thoughts on that kind of kind of letting letting that out there. Um, yeah, I mean seriously, I don't and and you know longtime listeners of Sovereign Tech know how I feel about this. Like there, there's just there's, and I, I get I've had so many people tell me differently. You know that, oh, no, it helps out with emissions. It helps out with this. There, there are plenty. I had, in fact, I, I brought this up. This was, boy, probably a year ago, maybe, maybe even two years ago. I had a conversation with a personal hero of mine, Steve Gibson, okay, of that, yes, that Steve Gibson of GRC. Steve Gibson, you know, the guy that, that made, uh, you know, that made Spinrite, the guy that, that hosts the Security Now podcast, one of the biggest podcasts on the planet. I had a conversation with him on Twitter. Okay, I mean, like, you know, direct message, not not just in a series of tweets. And we talked about computers and cars. And he said, yes, computers and cars allow engineers to be lazy. And it's true. There are there are tricks that you can do to get similar gas mileage, to get perhaps even similar emissions and all this. There are hard, you know, there are just there are simple engineering tricks, not computer tricks, engineer hard engineering tricks that you could do that would that would give you similar performance to cars of today okay uh, to say i mean well i could go on and on about this but my point being is that you don't need computers and cars so don't fucking put them there no thank you people give me shit about it whatever you can give me the shit but this is how it ends up suddenly you're doing v to v and every car's got to have it and you don't get to drive the real cars. And there's something to that, too. You know, it, it's funny. Um, you know, I, I used to drive around some classic cars. I, I mentioned my 73 Ford LTD. Uh, I, had a, I had a 74 uh, Ford F100, uh, big truck and everything. And the kind of... The, when you're driving around in that, I think it's a little bit more... You know, you get people look... You turn heads when you drive cars like that. And I don't think, I don't think that it's just because they look so different from the cars today because all the cars today look the same. And so when you drive anything from any other era, it sticks out like a sore thumb. There's some truth to that. But I think that there is a certain innate, 
I mean, the fact that humans are, are very much consumers means that their eyes look for certain things. And I think one of the things that, or not just the eyes, but all the senses look for certain things, you know, uh, uh, say, say a certain toughness, texture, all these different things, right? And in the eyes and, you know, the ears, all of it's looking for something. All of it's like testing everything at all times, right? That's the beauty of sensory perception, you know, under the, hum- under the human condition. Because, you know, we don't have to act on instinct either. But I do think that there is some instinctual thing where, you know, all of those senses are, are in many ways looking for authenticity, which only makes sense because for humans to survive, you have to have a grounding in reality, right? You know, un- unless you're, you know, pointing guns at people, okay, <laughs> like governments, right? But you have to have a grounding in reality. And I think that really when it's not that that old cars stick out like a sore thumb, I think because even children who really shouldn't necessarily know any better, are instantly staring at, at older cars. And they do that because I think they know that, look, that something inside, and I'm not saying humans are, are you know all about consumerism or anything. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there's something inside that says that, something, that is something real. Like people worked hard to put that together. Like there's almost this like kind of sense and I don't mean anything woo-woo. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, using the five perception, you're, you know, using the sensory perceptions that you have, you just kind of notice that, damn it, that's craftsmanship. Damn it, that's, that's creative. There's something special there. And they know it. There's something, there's something quality. There's something that's built to last. And I think that's the thing, too, is that because you, you, can, you can see that with all kinds of things, okay, where people just kind of like know they, they, they just, they have that feel like, wow, this is built to last when you touch it. Okay. It, I mean, it's something that really tech companies spend millions, if not billions of dollars trying to replicate in their bullshit devices. Okay. I mean, how many people talk about, you know, I mean, I do it too, where, you know, with their smartphones, they talk about the heft, they talk about the feeling of metal. They, you know, they talk about all these things, you know, why, why did Apple get away from plastic? Because like they knew that there's just this feeling that humans are kind of naturally drawn to of something that feels like it's built to last, even though it may not really be built to last. And certainly Apple doesn't want your iPhone to last you very long, but it's there. There's a reason why, I mean, like, like watches, even people that aren't, you know, aren't, aren't big fans of, of say the watch industry or something. When they, when they touch, you know, an old tag, you know, tag har, or when they, when they touch, um, you know, hell, if they get the chance, if they touch a Rolex or even like a, a citizen, I, I mean, yeah, it's a Japanese company, whatever, but I mean, you know, they, they make good shit. Okay. When they touch those things or a Seiko, whatever, I mean, or, you know, some of the really high end stuff, you know, they, they kind of, they, they know, like, you just know, you're like, that feels right. And you don't even have to tell them the brand. You don't, I mean, it's hard not to know, but you don't have to tell them the brand. How I got on this subject, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> but, oh, I'm just talking about my love for old cars. There's just, there's a magic to them. There's something special. And it used to be known, even when they were the cars that were being driven around all the time, that they were still considered special. I mean, you had to take care of them. You know, all, and, that, and that's a fine thing to do. It would, how great is it that you could just stop for a fucking minute and maybe work on a car? Oh, man, I get a fucking peace when I do that. And I do it. I still do it to this day. I fix Stephanie's car all the time. I do the brakes. You know, I mean, I replace the brakes. I, you know, I do, I do all kinds of shit. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're missing something with with the BS cars today. And I mean, that it doesn't even have to touch on the idea of V2V technology. I mean, there's, way this is, there's ways that this could work. You know, certainly V2V technology, you could have, um, you, you know, you could anonymize uh, effectively. You know, you, you could kind of mix the identities of various cars and all this stuff to where they could talk to each other and perhaps send alerts or something, you know, that, that don't have to be too, uh, you know, intrusive or crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's a way, really, there is a way that, that something like this could, could genuinely work. The problem, you know, to where it was, say, respected human liberties and things like this, uh, the problem is, is that, A, it, it's not because governments, you know, are, are fucking, you know, <laughs> they'll suck all the data they can, baby. <laughs> but, you know, even then, you still have the problem of for it to really work. Pretty much everybody has to have it. And like, you know, me, me as a person that loves cars and wants and likes to own cars, I don't want it. All right. Say I'm from the Stone Age. That's fine. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't want it. And I have every right to say that. And, you know, the central feature of freedom is choice. People forget it, but that's the central feature. Anyway, woo, uh, where are we at? We're at 50 minutes. So I didn't get to get to everything um, that I wanted to in this, uh, in this particular episode. Um, let me see if I can find a, a, a quick, fun question. Oh, here's a good one. Okay, so a little bit of a gaming question. Good, we can end off with, with something, uh, you know, again, something fun. Um, so the question is, uh, yeah, I... Okay, so it's about consoles. Pretty much it's asking what, what is the greatest console like of all time, in my opinion. Um, I might have done a top eight consoles. I, say, I hate that. I, sadly, I, I don't remember if I ever did that. Um, but that'd be a fun thing uh, to do. That's definitely one I would be doing far down the line. So to kind of to ask this question, and, and I will, I'm going to put together, I need to put together a list of all my, my top eights. I'm still getting my, uh, my beautiful little Dell uh, i7559 here, you know, into shape, uh, but it's doing a great job. Um, I'll, I'll make a list of all the top eights I've done, and maybe I'll, you know, make a page and a, and a link with all of them so that people can listen to them if they like. Uh, yeah, so best console ever. Well, so the question doesn't exactly doesn't exactly get into it. So I'm not sure if like if you can count handheld consoles because that would actually create a very different answer if we counted in handheld. So I'll give you both. Um, it's really a toss up. I mean, historically, obviously, the greatest console of all time is like the you know the NES, which I still haven't gotten my classic mini, but I'm going to. Um, the the, N- the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System, is just like what it. it it created the gaming industry. I mean, the Atari 2600, and believe me, I take nothing away from Atari. Nolan Bushnell is God in my book. I mean, he is at the top. He, he is right up there. He's above Bill. I mean, he's, he's just, he's the man. Okay. Um, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the Atari 2600. Uh, you know, that was a fantastic console. But really, the Nintendo Entertainment System, like, saved the day. It, it, it reinvigorated after, you know, the 84 crash, uh, you know, video game crash. It, it did it all, you know. And, and it's amazing, to some degree, like, like, it's amazing what the NES could do. Because the NES is perhaps the first that allowed for, and, and people miss this, 
I mean, maybe the Odyssey, you could say, did this, but the Odyssey, you know, the Magnavox Odyssey just had like those those sheets <laughs> that you could put over your television screen. That was part of the game system, like literally with cellophane sheets that, I, I, that you would put over the screen to like say if you were playing tennis. OK, so the Odyssey, the, you know, the console, the, the Magnavox Odyssey, and you got the Odyssey's from, you know, 70. I mean, this was, you know, competitor with the 2600 and all that. Um the, the Odyssey would, it had sheets that you could put up. What it would do is, is it would show perhaps like, say it was a game of tennis. Okay. It could show like the two little guys playing tennis, but then to make the tennis court, you would take a cellophane sheet and put it over your television screen. And this is back in the day when say 20 inch or 24 inch television screens were like, that was just it. That was the norm. You didn't, you, you really didn't buy, you know, get any bigger. Uh, well, until like maybe the, you know, maybe the early nineties when you know, rear projection became a thing and all that. But, um, but you know, at the time, seventies, eighties, you know, early eighties that, you know, 24 inches was fucking huge. In fact, that's hard to imagine. Right. I think about that. All, I, especially cause I, you know, I watch old shit all the time. Stuff that I watched as a kid and, and even stuff before I even existed. Um, and like, and, and I think about it, you know, and I say to myself, boy, I enjoyed that on a 24-inch screen. <laughs> and I got it and I consumed it and I, and, I, and I, you know, picked apart every detail on a 24-inch screen. That's remarkable. Or 25, whatever, you know, whatever you ended up with. Anyway, um, so, so the, you could say that the Magnavox, to my point, you could say that the Magnavox Odyssey was modular. In that, you know, you could you could change up what a game was actually about, I guess, by putting up a different cellophane screen. <laughs> like you could turn tennis into like blood sport or something, I suppose, you know, somehow. You know, like like you're lobbing heads <laughs> at each other, you know, like you could have you could make a cellophane, you know, sheet that goes over the TV screen, you know, maybe with, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be stereotyping here, you know, with like uh you know, some tiki heads and, and, you know, guys wearing, uh, you know, wearing grass skirts and everything, you know, whatever, <laughs> some poly, you know, Polynesian or Polynesian, don't mind me. Uh, so I guess you could say that was the first, but really let's, let's be clear here. As far as what could actually affect the hardware, um, the NES was the first modular system, you know, as far as, uh, you know, especially as far as consoles go and maybe in other ways. Um, because you had like the game genie, I mean, entire industries built around, around things that Nintendo never planned for. How about the four port controller or, or, or the, yeah, the control, the four port uh, adapter for controllers, like the, one of the best games from Nintendo ever. One of my favorites. In fact, you can get the, was it mule returns now for iOS and Android? Um, but mule, the original mule, that, that, that's an acronym, M.U.L.E. Phenomenal game, all about, you know, economics. My, my buddies and I, when, when I was very, very young, I mean, we played the shit out of that on the Nintendo. But one of the beauties of it is you could play four player if you had this, you know, this four port adapter. Uh, Nintendo didn't really plan for that. You know, that, that wasn't part of the system, <laughs> effectively. So it's, it's really exciting. Same, I mean, and there's some other things, too, you know, that, that like you just never, never anticipated being a part of it, even kind of the power glove, um, to where the Nintendo was with very few ports, <laughs> two, uh, you know, it was so modular to, and able to do so much, or even with the cartridge you know, slot, it was able to do so much. I mean, it, it, it was a transformative system. There, there's just no way around that. Uh, so I, you know, I, I guess I, I kind of just in the popular sense, I want to give it to Nintendo, but I, I have a couple other answers to this. Um, the, my, my real answer is, and then I'll get into if you count handhelds, but if we're just talking about straight hook up to your television consoles, 
the the Dreamcast. $9,999. September 9th, 1999, when that was released in America, that, I mean, that was, you know, that is a day that really should live down in history. Everything, everything that you do on a console, to, on a modern console today, and I mean fucking everything, it could do. And it did it almost 20 years ago. It, it was the most amazing most ahead of its time. Talk about something that entire industries could build around. It was, talk about modular. It was so modular. The Dreamcast is a miracle machine. The games, some of the games for it were, are to this day, some of the, in my opinion, some of the most advanced, most far out, most creative games you'll find anywhere. And that's why they still get released to this day. They still get re-releases on, say, uh, uh, you know, whatever PlayStation you happen to have. Why they get re-releases on, um, you know, on Steam or on all kinds of systems. Because these games, like, they're, they're still so unique and advanced for what they were back in 99. Okay, that they, uh, you know, they hold up. And people think they're playing something fresh and something they've never experienced before. Because, unfortunately, the Dreamcast didn't sell well. You know, despite itself, because it was such a great goddamn system. It was so good. I mean, it had it had the internet connectivity, it had the web browser, which, you know, honorable mention to the Sega Saturn as well, because the Sega Saturn, you know, that, that was like the first console that could actually connect to the web. I mean, computers were doing it long before using modems, I know. Okay, but Sega Saturn, you know, had the ability to go on the internet and all that. That was that was really fascinating. And it had some other abilities too that were that were intriguing. But the Dreamcast course Saturn's successor is the one that really put it all together and I mean you had amazing games you had Fantasy Star Online that that was remarkable uh, a bunch of different stuff you know you could get updates to the system I mean you know updates to the web browser all these different things they had some really cool uh, uh, CD playing capabilities you know kind of party capabilities I mean there's there just there was a billion things that you could do with this thing and in the games I mean like Seaman if you've never looked up Seaman S-E-A-M-A-N it's not Seaman, it's Seaman. <laughs> I mean, it is a weird-ass game, but but you look at it and you go, who who thought of this? And like, you even get to hear Leonard Nimoy, which is great, because Leonard Nimoy voiced the whole damn thing. Um, you know, rest in peace, granddad. Uh, I mean, just tons of great games. Even some games that still haven't been ported, at least as far as I know. Power Stone 2, maybe that's been ported. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, some of the other ones, Skies of Arcadia, I know that's been ported. Uh, Space Channel 5, I know that's been ported. Ready to Rumble Boxing. So, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the big games have been ported, but there, there's some real beauties on there, or especially like the, uh, uh, the quote-unquote gun games, light gun games. Uh, House of the Dead 2, House of the Dead Overkill. Uh, oh, man. I mean, it's, it's a loaded deck. They're, they're, and, and I'm just scratching the surface. Like, I, I mean, I went nuts when... Was it 2001? I think it was 2001 when the Dreamcast, like when they, you know, Sega just said, we, we're throwing in the towel. We can't, you know, we can't do this. Uh, I mean, it kept going on in Japan for a while. And there's still people that make new Dreamcast games, but that's true for every console. Uh, and, and they're usually pretty great, too. But, uh, you know, in America, it ended in 2001. And what was awesome was, at the time, Electronics Boutique. It wasn't GameStop. You know, GameStop hadn't bought out Electronics Boutique yet. But, uh, you know, Electronics Boutique, they were selling Dreamcast games for a song. I mean, it was like, you know, three bucks a game. I mean, I, I went in there and I just, I'd buy out their whole, their whole shelf. 
I mean, this is why, you know, I've, I've talked about this before. Believe me, like <laughs> guys at GameStop and EB, like, I mean, I have a history. When I say I was the king of the nerds, believe me, I was, all right? And, and like people knew me. In fact, I, here's a quick story for you. I, I've told this before, but I'll, I'll tell it to you again because I just, I thought it was, it was just so funny. Like, like look, I'll be honest, like am I boasting a little? Sure, maybe, but like I felt good about it, okay? <laughs> because when I moved to New Hampshire, okay, I moved to New Hampshire, I moved to Keene first. I lived there for a year. And I went to the key, you know, I, I did my first, you know, you take care of business first. You got to go, you got to get the important things set up, you know, get a bank account, you know, all that, uh, or, you know, make sure your bank's in order, you know, go to GameStop, make sure everything's in order there, you know, all the important things. <laughs> and so I go to GameStop and, you know, I have my, my power up membership with GameStop and I, I needed to get it updated, you know, to where, you know, I was going to be getting my benefits in New Hampshire now in Keene. Um, I don't, I don't have the power up stuff with, with that anymore. I'm, you know, too busy for, for a lot of that stuff. I, I mean, I still game, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, st- I mean, cause I'm a gamer first folks, but anyway, dealing with that. And so they had to call the store in New Hartford, uh, you know, where, where I lived previously when I moved to New Hampshire, that New Hartford, New York is where I was living. So they, they had to, they had to call them up and the manager who became obviously a very good friend. I mean, this guy, like, because I spent so much goddamn money in, in his, in his store, you know, not just for me. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I spent so much money. Uh, in fact, he even, when Duke Nukem Forever came out in 2011, he gave me the cardboard standup where you could put your face, <laughs> you know, with next to Duke and all that. That was, that was beautiful. That was so good. Uh, I love him for it. But anyway, uh, yeah. So he called him up. And, you know, the, the, the GM, the GameStop GM in New, in, New, uh, in New Hartford, in New York, told, you know, said, uh, started saying, you know, you're the, the guy in New, you know, the guy in Keene, the GM there is saying, yeah, I got a, you know, Brian here and, and you know, this is, this is his membership number. And, and I could hear it over the phone, <laughs> like, you know, because it's kind of loud. Uh, and, and, and there's the guy, his name's Jeremy. The guy, Jeremy starts telling him, saying, all right, you don't understand who you have in your store right now. <laughs> he, says, he says, who you have is special. This is your best customer from now on. He's, this is the king of the nerds. And I mean, he just told him straight. And, and like, and, and the guy, the GM, you know, in, in Keene is just like, like he, he kind of can't believe what he's hearing. And he's, he's sort of smiling. And when he got off the phone with him, you know, he, t- he tells me about it. I had already overheard most of it. But he's like, wow, he says, what a nice, what a sweet, what a nice guy. He said, he said, make sure you're all set. <laughs> so anyway that was really nice that was very kind of him so it's nice when my i, I have a beautiful you know i i do admittedly my certain aspects of my reputation always precede me and i and i, and I love it so thank you for my moment of uh of being braggadocious but uh yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I'd buy these guys out, you know, with, with Dreamcast stuff because it's like, yeah, give me all, give, give me all of it. You know, and I'd buy Sega Bass Fishing 2 and all that, you know, and that was a beautiful thing was like, you know, Dreamcast, they had all those wild different kinds of controllers. I mean, you had the light guns, you had the, the controllers themselves, which, which were incredibly advanced. Uh, and I'll talk about those in a second, but you had the fishing controllers where it was like a, a, a literal fishing rod just without the rod and it had the weight on it and you could go fishing and I would go home and I would, you know, I, I, you know, I'd be in my apartment or whatever and I would kick back in the couch and, you know, I'd be, 
you know, it, it'd be negative 10 outside, but I'd be sitting on my couch and I'd be fishing bass. Woo! <laughs> it was a great time. <laughs> uh, I mean, all kinds of wild shit like that. Now, the Dreamcast controller itself, okay, had this, had this amazing, it had two slots. Now, this was originally pioneered by the N64, where there was an expansion slot on the controller itself, right? Um, where you could add, like, the rumble pack, say, on, on the N64, or you could add other things. Um, now... Okay, so so anyway, so the, the the Dreamcast controller had two slots, and you could do the same thing where you could kind of you could add a rumble pack, or you could add a microphone to it, or you could add all. There was all different kinds of ideas that they had for it. But one of the interesting things was was the VMU, okay, which was the video memory unit. And what this was was a memory card back when memory cards were the shit, uh, and and still to this day, and I'll, I'll get to this in a second. That memory card, some some memory cards I can remember were at especially at the time the single most precious possession of mine. <laughs> like nothing meant more. Uh, so, and with VMUs, it was actually, it was a lot more true because here's the brilliance with the memory cards. You weren't just saving games on it. It actually, it could, it had a little screen on it, just a, you know, little, you know, quartz crystal uh, screen, like you, like you'd see on certain, you know, electronic watches. Um, you know, it'd have a, you know, liquid. Yeah. You know what I mean? So anyway, the, uh, the display would, uh, you know, you, like it could show you, say in a game, it could show you either, it could act as a second display to show you things happening in game and like give you, say, a readout or a life meter or something like that, which is pretty cool. I mean, sometimes it was, uh, you know, perhaps a little redundant, um, you know, a little superfluous, certainly, but, but it, it, it was cool. Like you'd never seen anything like that before. But then you could also, with some games, like the one I mentioned before, Skies of Arcadia, you could actually take the VMU out and there was an entire mini game that you could play where you're controlling the ship from Skies of Arcadia. And that what happened in that mini game directly affected the big game, the main game that you played on your television. It was incredible. Like it was such a brilliant idea to turn the memory card into something that was just as interactive as the system itself. It was an ingenious idea that, frankly, I think they should still do. Fuck the smartphone. Right now, that's what they do is they just kind of connect it with a smartphone, right? They connect it to an app and they have you interact with that. But, I mean, there's, there was so much potential for that. And th- that was such a brilliant idea. Eventually, like, nobody was really taking to it. And so Sega kind of went by the wayside with it. And what they ended up doing is that instead of having, it, having the, the screen in it and having it be a VMU, they started releasing uh, uh, memory cards that could hold, like, four times the amount of a VMU, you know, as far as saved games go. Because, you know, there used to be limits on these things. <laughs> and, uh, but whatever, it, it, was, it was just, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant system. Um, again, you had all that online play that you could do. I mean, just uh, there, there was tons of shit. It's one of the best game libraries, not not one of the largest, but what was there was awesome. Or, not all of it was awesome, but but a, a huge chunk was certainly. So the Dreamcast, I have to give like every just everything you think of, every idea you think of that a console does, it already did it, and it did it that long ago, and everybody fucking copied them. Love the Dreamcast, uh, but you know. It, I, I want to say that that's the best of all time, but then there's that part of me that there was a system that in some ways kind of refined, even though it didn't take advantage enough of it, that, that kind of refined a lot of what the Dreamcast was trying to do, and that was the GameCube. The GameCube is so sadly ignored, in, in the Nintendo GameCube, which uh, is, is such a pity because that system was another little piece of brilliance. In fact, some of the games from, uh, from Dreamcast 
that were you know considered to be Dreamcast exclusive because only Dreamcast had the technology to take advantage of them uh, ended up you know uh, like like being ported to the GameCube because the GameCube could do it. Uh, for example, Fantasy Star Online. Well, it ended up you could put a, a modem onto a GameCube. In fact, you put an Ethernet card on it and uh, you know and go to town. That was brilliant. That was great. Uh, the, the memory cards on GameCubes, that was the one. In fact, this is what I was going to say. Like, my GameCube memory card that I had, I had a, of course, it was black, so it was my GameCube. Um, except for that I had a Panasonic Q as well, but that's another story. But that, that, that memory card was just the, the goddamn most important thing to me <laughs> at the time. <Ooh. laughs> Resident Evil Zero, you know, all the, the, the Rogue Squadron games, you name I mean, I was, I, I was all over it. Um, and that was kind of the big seller for me on the GameCube was, okay, this is going to be the system for Resident Evil. I'm there. Uh, so, yeah, the GameCube did a lot of that. And also, while the GameCube didn't, you know, kind of the one thing that the GameCube didn't have, yeah, it didn't have the web browser. I understand that. It couldn't play CDs. Well, the Panasonic Q could, but that's another, like I said, that's another story. That's kind of a separate case. Uh, but the, one of the really cool things that it did that I thought was just brilliant, uh, it had the four ports. So, you know, you, you could plug in four controllers. That's fine. That's a nice touch. But the interconnectivity with the Game Boy Advance was really interesting because that took the idea of the VMU to a whole other level. To where, no, you're going to connect this, you know, a game, like say you're playing Link and the Four Swords, right? You, you, you know, you're going you're, you're gonna to connect or whatever Zelda game you're playing. And there was a bunch, there were some other games too that allowed for this. You'll can, a second player. It's not just like the VMU where you can take it off and, you know, you can go do something, okay? Uh, and you couldn't play the game at the same time. With the GameCube, you can, in some ways you had the best of both worlds, right? Because you could use it as a second screen for some things and to control some stuff. But the multiplayer capabilities was like, say with Link, with, you know, some of the Link games, you could control, you know, another character, with the GameCube, and you could do very specific things, and there could be some great co-op capabilities. Uh, so the GameCube, and, and they also had some brilliant, like they had for Donkey Kong, they had the, uh, you know, they had the Bongo controller, uh, and there were there were other things that they came up with. I, I thought the GameCube was 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 a very much it was a refined Dreamcast, and of course the GameCube ended up obviously like every Nintendo system with just unquestionably some of the greatest games that'll ever get made. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's a guarantee with any Nintendo system, it re- even the Wii U and those, the games, the great games on the Wii U, they're going to end up getting ported to the Nintendo switch. So th- that'll just, the point will stay the same that some of the greatest games always get made for Nintendo by Nintendo or, or, you know, even third parties. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that was really brilliant. Certainly. I mean, you know, you could go down the list. Uh, you know, the Wii was certainly magical in its own way. Uh, the PlayStation 2, I wouldn't, you know, somebody said to me that the PlayStation 2 is the greatest console of all time. I wouldn't argue with you. That thing lasted forever. And, the, and what that could do over time, like even when the SOCOM games came out, and, you know, you did a lot of on play, online play and all that. I mean, the PlayStation 2 was really, in fact, you know, the PlayStation 2 made DVDs a thing. Like that, that that's for sure, you know. So, I mean, there's lots of credit to go around. It's very tough to say what the one system is, but I got to give it to the Dreamcast. As far as just raw gameplay ability, uh, I, I mean, it's unmatched in what, it, in what it could do and in many ways what it did. Uh, it's just a shame that, that, you know, 
Oh, I could get into, I don't want to get into the whole PC master race thing because I could get into the fact that like, is the problem that people were just too, you know, couldn't see it. They, they were just too dumb to not understand, you know, because this is a trope that like PC gamers are intelligent. Console gamers are dumb. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that. I'm because I mean, I'm a console gamer too. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, was it the fact that the average console gamer is a moron and so they couldn't appreciate everything and they couldn't handle perhaps some of the complexity of the Dreamcast? Yeah, that's a theory. It's definitely a theory. I mean, because in Japan, it, it, it did fine. It's just that wasn't enough. You know, it needed, it needed to do well in America to, you know, to justify itself. So anyway, uh, yeah, I'll give it to the Dreamcast. However, now, if we can include, and I won't spend much more time, if we can include in this list handheld if we can you know include portables as far as consoles go then i'm i'm going to give it to the to the 3ds or if you want to give it or the new 3ds you know i'm not going to be that particular because in many ways the capabilities are the same it's just kind of you know the new 3ds it just has some more horsepower uh the 3ds you you absolutely have the greatest game library of all time uh, before it, if the 3DS didn't exist, I would have given, I mean, and, and let me be clear on this before the Nintendo 3DS existed. If you asked me this question then, and I was able to include portables. Now I'm saying that the 3DS does beat the Dreamcast. Okay. Uh, but if, if I were, you know, if you could give me the option, if, if this was asked a few years ago before the 3DS came out, I'd say the Nintendo DS was the greatest game system of all time. And that definitely had a, I mean, what a, brilliant library of games that that had because it had backwards compatibility with the GBA, you know, the Game Boy Advance, which had an amazing game library. Uh, so, so the, the, it would have been the DS previously. And yes, I would have said the DS beats, um, uh, you know, even the Dreamcast, but the 3DS does it because you have, I mean, like, you know, Street Pass is an interesting thing. I mean, even if people don't necessarily use these features as far, you know, I, I consider it important to, to say, you know, what makes it great does it have the ability to do it? Well, yeah. Okay, then it's great. You know, so I think I think Street Pass is interesting. So you have, like, I mean, you have Wi-Fi capabilities. You have all these different connectivity options, greater connectivity options than, um, you know, than than even the Dreamcast had or any any other really any other console has because you can do peer to peer with a 3DS. That's huge. You could do it with the with the DS as well, which is also the main reason I would have said that. Um, that that would have been the great system. In fact, there was, this used to be a thing, okay, where, and, you know, I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to confirm or deny that I ever messed with this sort of stuff, but there was, you know, there was kind of the, the idea that using a Nintendo DS as a communications platform for, you know, activities you didn't want people knowing you were doing was very viable because who the fuck was looking for a Nintendo DS? you know, to communicate with each other. Like it was a great way to send kind of secret messages, not necessarily encrypted, but who's looking. I mean, if nobody's looking, you know, it might as well not be encrypted. Right? I mean, yeah, it might as well be encrypted. You want to encrypt everything. I know. Okay. But you get my point. Like it was a very, very clever little tool and I know it was used. I'll just say that. So anyway, the 3DS, I mean, you know, you have these kind of, you have these peer-to-peer options as well. Uh, you have this incredible ability of non-glasses 3D, even though you could say it's a gimmick, but it's capable of doing it. That's incredible. Uh, the game library is awesome. You have the virtual store, you know, or the e-store, or whatever. I mean, that you can download all the greats. Uh, some awesome, I mean, when you have a handheld that can play Smash Brothers, look, it's over. That's the greatest system ever. Just, just fucking deal with it. 
<laughs> I mean, it, that's it. Is the Switch going to end up taking the place? Maybe. Depends on if they're going to allow for 3DS games to get played in the Switch down the line. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I mean, just the game library alone, especially even the modern game library, we're not just talking about the fact that it can play all those classic games, even though that's a huge boon. But the fact, you know, just the modern games that come out for 3DS are just some of the best being made. Doesn't matter if it doesn't match the graphical prowess of the PS4 or the X or the Xbone, okay? It it just doesn't because they're just great games. Now with virtual reality coming into you know into things, well maybe that'll shake things up. We'll we'll see. But to answer that question, yeah, I mean if it's just we're just talking you know consoles that connect to a television, I'm going to give it to the Dreamcast, which Dreamcast slash GameCube. Um, with honorable mention to the PlayStation 2 and, you know, of course, the Nintendo Entertainment System. I, I wouldn't argue with either of those. Somebody gave those opinions. Um, but overall, if we're counting the portables, and that would change things a lot because, I mean, the GameCube is all, or the Game Boy, I should say. The Game Boy and even, like, the TurboGrafx Express were both, you know, huge deals in their own in their own right in their day. Even the Atari Lynx, like, it would really change the format of what that list would look like. Uh, but if you're including portables, I've got to give it to the 3DS or the new 3DS XL, whatever, you know, whatever model you want to you run with. Uh, that is as far as being the best console ever made. And it's amazing that at the same time, it's it's a modern one. And it is because the Switch isn't designed, as far as I can tell, the Switch is not meant to replace uh, the 3DS. So at least not yet. So there you have it. I think that's a pretty good, pretty good show, pretty good list, <laughs> pretty good coverage of, of some topics. Uh, and uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for, thank you to all the new patrons on Patreon. Thank you to those. I know some of you have upped your Patreon donation. That means the world to me because that says not just that you're, yeah, you know, you enjoy it and you appreciate it and, that, and that's great. But it says, wow, am I really seeing value here? I'm going to give you more, you know, and if you don't, that's no less on you. I'm just saying that that's the message I receive and I'm honored. Okay. I'm really honored by that. Uh, so I'm happy to entertain you to get to your questions and to talk about these things. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's an absolute honor on my part. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's nice to know that people want to hear what I have to say. So anyway, a uh, lot more content coming out, especially in the next couple of weeks. I've got a lot of stuff I want to finish up. Uh, actually it'd be great if I can finish it up for 2016 and then 2017, I have some huge things planned. Um, I, in January, I'm going to try and have our very first hangout to where only patrons, only, only Sovereign Tech patrons on Patreon, okay, the, you know, those that listen to the double secret feed can actually be in on, on a hangout and can ask questions on that hangout. Uh, so, or however, maybe I'll do it on Zoom. I might not even use hangout. Uh, there's some other you know technologies that that might do far better. I'd hate to have to use Google's shit, uh, but the only reason I I say that is because, well, no, yeah, Zoom I think works on you. You can use the web client for uh, you know for Linux and all that. So that's something I have in mind for um, you, you know for January. We will get to these Hangouts, uh, and I think that that'll be a lot of fun. And you guys, you know, and you can talk back. You can you can ask the question, and then even perhaps ask further questions or raise your own points, and maybe you'll convince me. And I mean, you know, I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so anyway, there you go. Uh, that's it. And new Sex and Science Hour this week, of course. And, uh, you know, hope everybody is enjoying their Saturnalia. Woo! Do what Saturnalia is meant to, you know, do what you're meant to do on Saturnalia, baby. Get it on. Woo! I'll see you on the other side.
You just experienced Sovereign Tech. Go to SovereignTech.com. That's S-O-V-R-Y-N-Tech.com. And connect with us there. Find links from today's show and catch our podcast feed. Sovereign Tech is copy heart. Copying art is an act of love. And love is not subject to law. So please, share the show however you like. Welcome to the evolution.